Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. So uh, I'm joined today by Brian Sagasetta, MD at Chilton Distribution. Uh, really pleased to have Brian on the podcast today. He's uh, uh, We met at Truckfest. We were introduced by a mutual acquaintance uh, or friend, Natalie Goodson, who uh, runs uh, Robert Goodson and Son uh, Insurance Brokers based in Peterborough. Um, I've had some dealings uh, and, and known Chilton for a number of years, having, uh, from my background, listeners will know that... Uh, I was previously at Volvo, and uh, and you've got a bit of a history with Volvo. Most of Scania yep. now, though. A bit of a I mix. See. The Volvos are coming back. We've just um, purchased 10 of the new ISO vehicles, so we've had uh, seven of the 10 come in. We've got three remaining to come this week. So. Amazing. Amazing. That's fantastic. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to ask Brian a bit more uh, about those things. Uh, we've prepared a few a few things for us to run through. We're going to talk about the background of Chilton. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about why they're different and the pride in the brand, because I've always admired how important the brand is at Chilton and um, why why that's so important and how we instill that through through the drivers and through the team. It's something that I think is really important. We'll talk a bit about um, what Brian, Brian likes about the sector and also the things that might piss him off a little bit, um, as well as how we can improve the desirability. Because ultimately what it's all about is making a making a transport sector or a fleet sector that is a desirable and great business to work for um, overall. So, um Brian, first of all, tell me a bit about your background. What 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 is it that you've done? Sort of what did you do before Chilton? Well, we're, we're going back some time now. So <laughs> I first got into the transport industry back in 1998, um, and to be honest, it was a an off chancing. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to pursue. It wasn't something I wanted to get into. But uh, literally at the time, previous to the transport, um, I worked for a company called ARI International, um, which was at the duty free shop at Eurotunnel. So I did an internal auditing. Um, with them over there. Um, the fire took place, um, everything shut down. Um, and yeah, so I found a part-time job working nights for a transport company called Docsfield International. So I went in as a night shift clerk. Wow. Um, so that was back in 1998. Um, Docsfield uh, was bought out by Norfolk Line. Um, so from there, um, Norfolk Line had a, an office in Valencia. So I relocated from uh, Norfolk Line, Lim, Hythe, over to Valencia. Uh, from Valencia, I did um, a year, year and a half there, then moved from Valencia over to Whittlesea when I shut the office down. So hence I ended up uh, up here. <laughs> wow, Valencia. So like speaking Spanish and everything? Yeah, completely. So I was born in Mexico. I moved to England when I was nine. Um, didn't I couldn't speak English, so English is my second language. Um, you couldn't tell nowadays, but yeah, it's um, yeah, literally came over here not learning. Even to the States, I think um, I remember going to the, the school. We had to do an interview with the headmaster. Uh, Mum said to you, he's going to ask a load of questions, make sure you're polite, answer back. And, and no, no word of exaggeration, he said to me, how are you? And I kept on saying, um, I'm six years old. No, eight years old. I'm eight years old. How are you? Eight years old. <laughs> so that's that's where my English was at that level compared to, to where we are now. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's such a cool story. And, um, okay, so obviously, right, okay, so loads and loads of questions sort of off the back of that, I guess. So one of the things that... Uh, I find particularly interesting around the transport sector, actually. And this is a question that's a little bit off off piste. But mm-hmm. um, 
So from a diversity point of view, it's not a very diverse uh, sector. Average driver age is 55 years plus. We have to do some work on that. And it's very predominantly white male oriented. Yeah. Um, obviously, being essentially a native Mexican yep. coming into the UK, um, how do you sort of ha- how have you sort of found that? Has it, has it really been any different for you? How do you feel? You know, because there's a there's a lot of stuff goes on about people speaking about migrants and that kind of thing. How how does that sort of impact you? What's your outlook on that? Well, the, the migrant thing is is obviously definitely um, something that's been um, ongoing for a number of years and something that's got increasingly harder. Um, by the time I managed to get to the, the transport industry, I was lucky I was fluent in in English. I, I lost my accent, my twang when I was in the secondary school because I soon realised if you're the odd one out, you you did get a bit of a, a backlashing. Yeah. Um, but no, really, from that side, I've, I've never encountered any issues or any problems. Um, um, to be honest, in the industry, it's always been, it's been pretty good. Not something I noticed before, but the migrant situation, yeah, def- definitely an issue. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I think I think the more we can do to diversify the sector, the better, right? Agreed. Because, yeah, agreed. Um, I, I read a book recently by Matthew Syed, who wrote uh, Black Box Thinking, and it's called Rebel Ideas. And it's about the more that we increase diversity in businesses, the more different ideas we have. And then the better the ideas, the better the, be- yep. the, better, the, better the outcome. So, um, amazing. Okay, so Norfolk line back to Whittlesey. We're, we've come from Valencia, Spanish, through to Norfolk line in Whittlesey. Yep. Uh, which, for those who don't know what that is, I'm Peterborough based. Whittlesey's right by it. It's literally the corner of the fence, <laughs> isn't it? Literally gateway to the fence at Whittlesey. It, it, it was interesting. <laughs> I, I've never visited the area before. Obviously, um, grew up in Kent. Um, Valencia was great, loved it. Um, first day I drove into the depot at Wittlesey, and if you know where to see, you know where, where Norfolk Line or DFDS is now. I thought, what the hell have I done here? So one extreme to the other, but a great company to work for. Um, I um, I left Norfolk Line at the time um, just before it was bought out by DFDS. Okay. Um, and that's really how I, I met Paul Jackson, then the, the managing director, the owner of the Chilton Coal Storage Group. So that, again, was a bit of an, an off chance. Um, at the time, working for Norfolk Line, um, and bearing in mind, I've come from Docspeed, who was a privately owned company. Um, Andy Ingerson, again, another another great guy. Um, coming from private to, to corporate, I soon realised that as much as corporate is really good, but it felt like a bit of dead man's shoes. Um, so for career progression, it was pretty much set. It was already set out for you. Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity then to um, to go back to a privately owned business, which which I did with Children's Coal Storage Group. Um, how we first met was. Um, I left Norfolk Line. Um, I worked for a company called TLF um, UK Limited. We set it up here. So whilst I was in Spain, we met a couple of colleagues, and we soon found out, obviously, during the certain times of the year, the UK is flooded with, with a number of Spanish vehicles because of the citrus. And they approached me to say, would you be interested in setting up a UK office? Um, I did so. Uh, left Norfolk Line, where, which was quite daunting at the time, um, obviously coming from a, a very good organisation. Um, setting up something new, completely new to me. Never done it before. I've always had people above me or around me. Um, and I managed to secure a contract to do all the expat foods from the UK to Spain. Um, unfortunately, things didn't quite work out with um, with that company. Um, so the work, I gave back to Norfolk Line. They continued to do it. Um, but the reason I met Paul is I was renting some office space and warehouse space for him at, uh, at the old site, Cold Storage. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, the time when I joined Chilton, Paul didn't have any trucks. He did predominantly vans because he did a lot of courier work yep. and some rigids, but no no artics. Mm-hmm. And it became apparent back then that um, he had a cold store with other people's products. And every day, um, 
other hoardies would come in to take that product out. So um, we, we came up with a, a bespoke solution to to offer transport service across the sector. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, and um, I think that's sort of where <coughs> where I'll have first come across uh, across you as well. So I know um, certainly we uh, we first come across Chilton Cold Storage, which was based over the other part of Peterborough, yep. uh, away from Whittlesey. Uh, it was based over in Woodston, big cold storage, that kind of thing. And obviously, the, the business is now Chilton Distribution, yep. and Chilton Cold Storage does still exist. Yeah, there was a bit of a separation. What, what sort of so, happened there? Um, literally, as the company got bigger, we had multiple sites. We had, um, obviously, Peterborough is predominantly the, the home depot. Um, we had a depot up in Livingston, Scotland. Um, we had a depot down at Highbridge near near Bristol. The depot we're currently in now um, at Whittlesea, and also one at Bourne. It got to the stage that we we got so big so quickly, we didn't have the infrastructure in place to to continue that growth. Um, so we potentially initially looked at um, well Paul at the time um, with John Dave to look to selling the company, um, but on the twelfth hour, I think it was decided it wasn't the way forward. Um, it was just apparent that had we sold, the company needed the money to invest. Um, to allow the company to go forward, um, but the people that were interested in buying it would have diminished the brand. So everything that Paul had worked up, and same as John for the cold storage, would have just completely um, um, been obliterated um, because they wanted the cold store space um, and not the brand. Yeah. So um, it was decided on the 12th hour that we didn't. Um, fast forward to 2017-18, um, we decided to split the company to two. So John Davidson took complete ownership of cold storage group, which is still there, um, and myself and Paul came over and did distribution. Yeah, perfect, perfect, and that, um, and then here you are back in Whittlesea again, literally yeah. not far. The stones are away from when it all started, so yeah, I'll, I'll drive past it every day and I smile to myself. But uh, yeah, it's 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 funny how things turn out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brill. And from a from a business point of view, then, so you still are involved in cold distribution as yep. well, aren't you? So do you still work together with the yeah? Cold so we, storage? we we shared customers, especially up to probably about November this year. Um, but if, if I'm completely honest with everything that's gone with the driver situation, uh, the driver shortage, and people still saw us as the same company, it was time to try and break that mould. So I, I made the decision that on the 1st of November, um, pretty much any clients that we shared, we, we broke away from. And I think it's benefited us both. We both want the best for children going forward. Obviously, two separate companies, I know, but um, we've both got different images. Yeah. yeah, we still work together. We still co-share customers, but... Two two different complete businesses. Fine, fine. Okay, and then so the next question, I guess, is talk to me a bit about that that sort of management buyout. Paul is now he, he's still partly involved in the business, but yep. So what, what's happened there? Uh, so February this year, the, the the plan was always when we moved over here. Paul had a uh, an exit strategy, and, and I've been very fortunate. Paul's been um, um you know we've we've been together. Uh, I say to say like, we are like a married couple um, <laughs> over sixteen years, and that's been uh, great for me. Um, we 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 haven't much in sync, and it's always been a great relationship because we're we're synced. Um, but it was always a plan over here for Paul to retire, um, and we did it initially a year early because it should have been February February 2022. But with COVID, everything that went on, it felt that the time was right to to get it done. Um, so the agreement was always in place, and we yeah we completed the management by in, in February this year. Amazing, amazing, and um, okay, so. Uh, and how's that? How's that sort of been for you? Obviously, you know the business, but has there been sort of any challenges for you around? That? Yeah, it's it's been uh, the hardest part is um, as, as you say, Paul is still around. But initially, the first few months, probably the first eight months, Paul went driving. Um, I was very fortunate to to be in a position that Paul left me to do the day to day running, but he was always there on my shoulder um, for advice, guiding, um, and challenging. Um, the bit that I'm finding difficult now, I think, is is, is that relationship. I've not quite found 
um, the person there yet to, to challenge me, even though he's still around, but been working together so closely for that length, amount of time, um, it's, it's proven to be difficult. In a way, I think it's a lot easier for me because um, um, I was doing the day-to-day of it. Responsibility-wise, don't get me wrong, it is a completely different um, ball game, a headache, um, a worry, a constant threat, knowing we, we employ 70 people. Um, the fact it's not only those 70 people, that they've all got families, you're, you're making sure you're providing across the board, making those decisions. Um, that's probably been the hardest aspect, but the day-to-day literally I'm, I'm thankful it's, it's it's been it's been the same yeah awesome awesome fantastic i think that sort of leads us on to uh, sort of the next area i was going to talk to you a bit about your fleet because when you when we sort of had the transfer we've moved away from the the the, the branding has evolved slightly and uh, i love the yellow and the blue i think it looks absolutely fantastic um but most of all people will associate the children brand with the fleet because yep. you've got an amazing fleet yeah, you know those that come to Peterborough. I know you're regularly at Peterborough, which I I recognise as Truckfest. <laughs> I know that many others across the country don't necessarily recognise Peterborough as Truckfest. So, do you, I don't know if you go to the other ones at all, but no, Peterborough uh, is sort of the main staple, isn't it for me? We, we we've been to Newark once, but uh, no, we, we tend to go. To, it's on our own doorstep, so um, um, we we don't go for any business. It's just for a social aspect. It's good to get the name out there and recognise we we are Peterborough based and to let people know who we are absolutely and and the 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 fleet always look fantastic thank you you know i think um i think i think they're a credit to you i think it's clear that you've got brand standards and brand expectations around around the quality of the vehicles you've always got premium product that you that you're using i i'm i remember i'm not sure how much you you'll smile at the thought of it but i remember when you took the the dark blue uh, uh, dual clutch at Volvo, yeah. Volvo as well. I don't know how that went. Well, we've only just got rid of it, in fairness. So it, it <laughs> went It went this year. Um, in fairness, I think at the time, it kind of put us off the Volvo because we've not really had Volvo since. Um, but in fairness, the new truck is, is coming along. It's, yeah. it's good. But yeah, it's mixed reviews, mixed reviews. Yeah. But that, that, that vehicle's just gone off fleet. Um, the, the dual clutch, I think, was... Um, the, the expectation was that it'd be a fuel saver, but what in reality they built was a race, a racing yeah. truck, yeah. Um, which is from a productivity point of view is amazing. It, but um, it's uh, yes, a fantastic vehicle and a great to drive, great, great, great to drive. But uh, nonetheless, ultimately, it comes down to the pound shillings and pence and the fuel consumption it, it and does. everything else. I think we were comparing from the old Volvo to the new Volvo. We've we've increased by about one point eight miles of a gallon. Wow! So I think as a saving, that's about nearly eight nine thousand pound a year per vehicle that has gone from, from the old style to the new. That's amazing, isn't it's, it? It's a big saving. And that's just margin. It's just it is. margin as it well, is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, no extra. Okay, you've got all the aids now in the vehicles that assist the driver, but comfort, everything like that, it is, it's made a significant difference. It's huge, isn't it? Is, it, it? It's just big, big numbers when you when you start to improve fuel consumption like that. Okay, so um, how many vehicles are there in the fleet at the minute? We have 45 Arctics, um, three bridges, a seven and a half tonner and four vans. Okay, brilliant. And um, what's the fleet mix like from a from a branding point? So of view? predominantly has been Scania for the while, but we've um, um, predominantly Scania at the moment. Got Volvos, Mercs, and one DAF left. Yeah. Um, our ideal brand, and you know, credit to Paul, it's always been Volvo and Scania. They're the two brands that we want to um, to, to rely on and stick to because they're so advanced. Yes, they're a, a more premium product. They do cost more, but the reliability, the services that we get from Volvo and from Scania are fantastic. There's no minimum downtime, um, so that's why we tend to stick to those two marks. Um, you mentioned we, we, we are, prior to what we do, we are. We tend to go for the premium vehicle to make sure it's, it's driver retention, especially nowadays, long before the driver shortages were um, was made public. 
um, we've always tried to have the best best in class to enable to attract the, the better caliber driver. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the, uh, the the vehicle is such a big a big thing, and the the brand as well. Certainly, what you've what I think what I've admired about from a distance what what you've been doing, and uh, what I recommend with a lot of our like our customers is around understanding. You know, if we get into the mind of a, of, a, of, a, of a driver, a lot of people think it's about the pounds, shillings and pence for the driver's wage. And, and, and whilst pay is important, it isn't the be all and end all. It's about how, how you know, how you're treated, uh, getting that right. It's about making sure, you know, people like to be associated with a brand. And that's mm. the understanding having worked for Volvo is understanding that association because Volvo is a premium product, Scania is a premium product. People like to be associated with that. And in turn, with Chilton being a premium brand and, and such, you know, the branding being so important and the, the livery and the condition of the vehicles and new vehicles, drivers will want to come and drive yeah. for you in, in turn as well, won't they? So how, how how's the impact been for you over sort of COVID, Brexit, drivers? Um, um, what, what's that sort of look so like? So it's, it's been challenging. Sort of... So let's start with COVID. So predominantly what we do is we specialise in, in three temperature ranges. Um, it's been perishable goods and um, also pharmaceutical. But predominantly, our business was based on food service. So that was um, obviously um, school sectors, pubs, um, and that kind of sector. And also the, the aviation, we did catering supplies to, to major airlines. Uh, so as soon as COVID struck, um, it, it was literally a flick of a switch and, and everything stopped. Um, so that was the first challenge. Um, we made some decisions then to, to diversify. We never really played at the retail sector because um, you've got your predominant players out there that do retail and they do it really well. Um, so it's not an arena we wanted to enter, but it pushed us slightly down that way. So we started working like with the likes of, of Kalina um, and, and other such people that allowed us to, to get into that sector. Um, started doing bits that we'd never do in the past, like pull bulk of trailers. It varied. Um, but at the same time, that, that moment in time where you hit the pause button, um, it allowed you to reflect. For, for years, we'd always said if we only had the time just to, to stop, gather our thoughts, gather the momentum, stop it for a second and restart it. It was a, a perfect opportunity to do it. And here we are, the other side of it. Um, so that was the first factor. So even though, yes, it was um, it was damaging initially and we had a, a tough probably six six weeks, um, we, we restructured, um, had a look, um, changed the way that we were doing things and got stronger through it. The driver situation has been pr- probably more difficult. Um, we've always wanted to be above market rate when we when it comes to salaries. But as you know yourself, the market rates all depend on what people are paying at the time. Um, and that's not to undervalue the drivers. It's whatever people are paying. We always want to be above. Um, and that rate of pay has been very stagnant for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So it's a positive thing that's happened because it's allowed everybody to um, get to the, a suitable um, rate of pay. But now what customers realised is that that cost has been passed down long in long for many, many years, at, um, wherever you try to incur additional costs because of salaries, vehicle costs, fuel, it's always been very, very difficult to get that rate back. But with what's happened, again, it's been a, a bit of a positive. Being in the limelight, it's, it's made people realise the, the importance of, of what we do in the sector. Yeah, and the, certainly the value of transport, I think, has improved, doesn't it? And I've seen, you know, as I, we work with a range of different operators and we've seen sort of the day rate work as it's improved, you know, things have just improved and improved and people have valued it a lot more. And the uh, there's nothing like a little bit of scarcity of something to sort of pu- push things back up. But it, it'll all come around ultimately, I suppose, uh, in the price of the goods that we're going to buy. It is. And that's, that's what people forget. It will. It's, it's got to go somewhere. So we've, we've 
like everyone in the industry, has increased costs. Um, but that will go down to, to the, what we pay in the supermarkets because it's got to be passed on. You look at the, the level of fuel at the moment. Again, that's rocketing through the through the roof. But we're paying for it because we have to pay for it. Again, that's got to be passed on. So unfortunately, what, whatever we get at the top, we, we end up paying for it at the bottom. Brilliant, brilliant. And I'm just going to blindside you with a cheeky question then. What, what do you see progress looking like over the next sort of one or two years what 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 do you see sort of happening um and how's this situation because uh you know how, how's this going to evolve do you think hi it's pete from flagship partners we're really proud to sponsor a half dozen things podcast at flagship partners we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership we help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your four is accredited or you want to improve your, improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today. From the driver aspect, um, um, luckily, as you said, the fleet that we've got and the drivers that we've got are a, a, a good core. Um, I think... Personally, I think that we've probably leveled to where we need to be. But the only thing we need to do as, a, as an industry and also across the board is make sure that year on year we we apply those rate rate increases and also that you know we, we move everything in line with with inflation. Um, as long as that happens, I don't think we we'll, we shouldn't be in this, this situation. In regards to the driver shortage, it, it's a difficult one because you touched upon it. The average over the driver fifty five. Um, it's not a sexy industry to be in, is it? Really, um, who wants to be in a truck? 24 seven, um, five, six days a week, it's, it's tough. Um, but we do need to get younger people um, somehow into the industry to, to, to show them it's not a bad bad way of life. Um, but it's, it's like Marmite, you either love it, or you hate it, isn't it, unfortunately? No, exactly. And I think um, my, my goal in us doing this and having these conversations is taking, if we take the fleet sector and transport sector into the 21st century, and we start to communicate with people Actually, you know, by putting this interview out on podcast on YouTube, it shows to people actually you've got a really personable uh, manager with with you know le- like learning opportunities, great vehicles to work with, you know, uh, a sort of exciting outlook and being at the sharp end of, of the business sector that actually we have got. Whilst it's not the best for everyone, if you, I, I still stand by the the, the driving the driving role for a, for a single person who hasn't got too much responsibility or is happy to sort of spend the week away. It's a fantastic job. You get to see the country. You get to, you know, if you're doing European work, you get to see Europe. It's um, you know, it's a really great opportunity to go is, out yeah. and see the world. And I think it's such a down to earth sector as well, isn't it? It it's is just yeah. a great sector to operate in. Definitely, and the fundamental. I think what the drivers like is that they're not. Um, they're in their own they're their own boss as long as everything's getting done on time and delivered they're left to their own devices um which is good and bad in some ways but yeah absolutely absolutely okay let's uh let's let's go to a, a few things that you uh I, I asked you as part of the preparation for the podcast three things that you love about working in the transport sector oh, look at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 yeah okay um to me daily challenges it's a buzz of the industry that you're in no days the same okay you come to work you've got the same amount of vehicles that you do um but every day is different there's nothing like um coming in you have a bad start to the day but at the end of the day making sure everything's ticked off everything's back home everything's been delivered i I love the buzz of it um christmas time people dread if i'm completely honest yeah it, it is um it's difficult but the buzz of it gets me going in the morning. 
Um, there's no day given that at the moment I'll get up and suddenly say, well, I don't want to go to work. I, I love coming. I love what I do. Um, it's challenging. Um, the adrenaline always kicks in and, and it keeps, keeps you active. So that's one big thing, just the, the daily change of it. Um, diversity, I've put on here. Um, it, it is the people that you meet in the industry. Um, I think I said before, it, it is either you, you love it or hate it, but the people that are in the industry obviously love it and do it for a reason. So uh, the people you meet, um, the challenge you face together and how we collectively come together about it and, and do things together. Um, that's another bit that, that I love. It is the people that you meet and in general. It's uh, yeah. it's really good. Um, that's two bits. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Might, might just be two. <laughs> yeah, predominantly. But yeah, it's, it's just a general. It, it's... It's a great to me. It's a great sector to work in. It's just that no days, um, no days the same. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things is we. It's a true sector where it's about problem solving all the time and it's challenges. Yeah. And also, I think um, there's a great there's a, there's a great feeling of satisfaction by making sure that things happen on time and that you're really a big part of that cog making everything go around really and making yeah, sure that your bit's done. Very rewarding. It is rewarding. Yeah. No, amazing. Okay, cool. So. Um, We'll move on then. Tell me about the things that piss you off most. Um, well, so the first one is recognition. Um, I think of, of what we do in the sector and the industry. Um, I think people just assume that things turn up at the supermarket shops and stuff like that just by magic. Um, but they're not. Obviously, the driver shortage has highlighted what the importance of what we do, which is great. At least it's highlighted it, but it's probably a little bit too late. It, it's been it's been ongoing for, for several years, but at least it's highlighted, the as I say, the importance of what we do. So the recognition bit is one thing that definitely does frustrate me, um, because as an industry we're not um, because we're not uh, d- glamorous, I suppose. People just sideswipe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish there was a bit more recognition in what goes about it, yeah. um, especially the drivers aspect, what what they have to do to get product to product to places. Yeah. Um, another bugbear of mine is um, uh, they say that um, it's not recognised as a professional service for a driver which, um, again, is a frustration for me. So obviously the CPC qualif- qualification came out. Why introduce it if they don't see it as a, uh, a professional service? Because it is. You're asking somebody to take £150,000 of a kit um, out. Um, they're a professional driver. So the fact that people don't recognise it as a, um, as a professional sector, that, that frustrates me. Yeah, amazing, yeah. Um, I was going to pick whilst you have a look at that I was going to pick up on a couple of bits there myself I think um, as, as we, we talked a bit before we went sort of uh, live with the recording about CPC and that kind of thing I think that the challenge is is that as a as an industry things I think because we allow this the, the, the industry has become commoditized so often it's around cost all the time and reducing cost that a lot of the professional services have, have, have reduced quality as well, which was one of the reasons flagship wanted to get into CPC, for example, because it had been done, it had been commoditized and sort of the value of it had been, mm. had been sort of taken away. And I think, um, I think, I think the challenge is around if we recognize that actually the driving role is a professional service, like you say, 150 grand bits of kit, you can tell they're the pride and joy of the Chilton flea. Uh, that actually you're not just going to let any Tom, Dick or Harry get into one of those vehicles no. and, 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 dri- and drive it. And um, that, that sort of uh, the thing is that my, my belief is one of our biggest challenges as a sector is uh, the acceptance of, and I'm not saying this is 
from a Chilton point of view, but I mean as an industry sector from from other companies certainly that there's a willingness to just accept and make do with low standards. For mm-hmm. example, I think um, if we look to raise the level of standards, raise the bar, raise the professionalism. I've literally just done a recording on um, drug and alcohol testing. I speak to transport managers all the time who are shit scared of putting in drug and alcohol testing, for example, because they think the drivers are going to run away. Well, the the challenge is, is actually, hang on, you you should be proud to work for this company. Mm. We are this company. This is the standard we uphold. You know, and if you want to work for us, then that that's the standard that we expect. We you know we believe in road safety and sort of turning turning it on its head and going. Actually, you know, we want to go back to a time when drivers were the knights of the road and are the knights of the road, and it's very important that you know that the professionalism's there. I think it is. You go back what 15, 20 years. It was you, you were. If your dad was a lorry driver, you wanted to be in the cab. You took your your children out of you now. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong the health and safety aspect where you can't take children in cabs and stuff like that. It is very difficult. I understand that, but I don't know how else we're going to get people back into that industry as, as young people. You mentioned about drug and alcohol testing. We do random testing here, yeah. um, which we, we need to do. Um, drivers are fully aware that that happens. It goes on, and it is random. Um, but to me, it's, it's a clear conscious. What well, the last thing I want to do is, is for um, allow a driver to go out on the road that's um, under the influence of anything and and heaven forbid something happens it's, it's on my conscience so it's it's an important factor and yeah it shouldn't be shouldn't be taken lightly i know that much yeah no absolutely and i think um you know c- compliance as a whole whole shouldn't be taken lightly so um it's such a challenging part of the sector and i think you know one of the things and, and this sort of leads back to the recognition i think is that that i think the challenge we've had particularly with amazon and 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 such like this overnight of yeah. you know i'm gonna buy this 10 pound widget and it's going to arrive tomorrow free delivery you know no thought for the cost of storage picking transportation etc and it's just sort of gone but then also the the recognition of actually the the level of legislation that's involved in ensuring that road safety is maintained mm-hmm. um it's, it's just unbelievable really you hit the nail on the head you, you think about it, it's not just the next day you look at can deliver by 10 p.m that night um, but I think going forward, that just-in-time aspect will have to um, – I think we'll see probably less and less of it because it, I think we come to expect it. Um, I mean, we all do it. You look at it, you're, you're buying something on Amazon, and lo and behold, you go, oh, I'll live that night. You ultimately do it. Um, but I think we need to get away from the sector. Again, look how much things have changed in the, the last 15 years. Previously, Saturdays and Sundays, minimal shots were open. Christmas Day, Boxing Day, everything was shut till whenever it was. As a kid, you got Christmas present that needed batteries. You know you weren't going to get to the following week. Now it's it's the norm. Something's open Christmas Day. Something's open Boxing Day. And unfortunately, in our sector, because they are open, we we have to provide and deliver. So it's um, incredible how things change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, yeah, it's also like the expectation of the range of of goods yeah. as well that we just expect to have. You know it. And I think I think that's one of the challenges is that you know you can have this widget, you can have it in blue, <laughs> pink, green, every colour of the rainbow. You know, um, I think you know there's just got to be a new a new recognition that that that's gonna that's gonna be yeah. be, be or, uh, or understand by doing it, it comes with a cost. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, but. absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool. So recognition, recognizing the professional service. Did you have another one there, Brian? Oh, I have. It's um, it's like it's immigration. Um, Obviously, as time goes on, we, we used to do a lot of European work. We don't predominantly do a lot as much as we used to. Um, that's one thing that has been proving very difficult. Um, as a company, um, we go through all the training procedures. We give training and workshop talks to the drivers about what they have to do, preparing, 
Um, but lo and behold, now, if you're three hours away from Calais, it, it's a complete nightmare. Um, and if I'm completely honest, that's slightly why we've come away. Um, we had an experience probably a year and a bit ago coming back from Italy. Driver's done all his checks, um, got to um, literally from into the French border. Um, he saw the seals had been tampered with, called the police. Police came out, the French police, looked in the back, said there's nothing in there. Um, we were coming back from Cannes to Portsmouth. Um, got to Cannes, did checks there, nothing on there, get to Portsmouth. Um, they do the test there, and lo and behold, I've got eight people on board. Now, we followed the process. We called the people out. Um, but yet we're, we're seeing Dean not to be doing sufficient training and we're still fine for it. And not only for us as a company, but also as a driver. Um, because of that, I did lose a driver because all of a sudden he he felt bad. He didn't want to do European driving anymore. Um, I think we need to do something um, uh, to, to try and prevent him coming in. What that is, I don't know. But that's, that, that is a bugbear at the moment. So yeah. it is very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll be fair. I haven't had much experience of that, but that sounds uh, sounds like a horrifying experience. So that was, you know, the the, the driver's done everything in his power. We've done, to, yeah, yeah, everything we've done, checked. So wherever we can do, you, you do safe parking. Um, but it's just proving to be more and more difficult. So that, yeah. that is a, a challenge, probably not more of a, a bug, but it's a challenge. And, and what, what, you know, so people listening who aren't necessarily into, into sort of European work, what are, the, what are the fines like for for uh, d- Depends on that. So that particular one, um, I think you were talking about £3,000 per person that's found on, on the vehicle, and that's to the business. Um, the drivers get a percentage of that. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. It takes you all year. You know, as an industry, you're not making um, a great return anyway. It's minimal margins. It's not a sector that you're making 20 30 40 50% profit. It's very minimal. Yeah. So to be hit something like that, it just suddenly makes you think, well, What's the point of doing it? It wipes out your your profit for. Yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely, I was going to say that you know if you, if you take single percentage margins in the in the sector, and I think a lot of people don't really compute that. So um, you know, for example, if you you know if it, if you make sort of five percent and um, you know a single figure, and then and then you you know you get charged twenty five thousand pound, you've got to do an awful lot of work and an awful yeah. lot of sales to make that margin yeah, to be able to afford. It's that very cost. difficult, so, and I'd understand if if you're a um, a rogue haulier or anybody like that that didn't pay attention, but the fact that you're uh, you're proving that you're you're doing everything you can as a business, um, and even when you ask the question, what else could I've done? There was no form of response back. As I thought of personally for everything that we could have done, we did do training, um, vehicle locks, everything, even calling the the, the French police and, and checking at the borders. It's just frustrating to the fact that we were still still penalised for it. Yeah, it's fr- it is massively frustrating. Yeah. And I think that that sort of goes all the way through because um, a, a lot of people won't realise that, that just the level of responsibility that's held as well, isn't there? Yeah. There's, there's so much from even from a... Um, from a, a migration point of view, from a um, you know an overall compliance and, and operational point of view, you know people don't realise what's involved in making sure the vehicles are regularly maintained, making sure the drivers' tacos are done. Yeah. You know, you know how constricting the 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 hours can be potentially yeah. sometimes on a business. It's uh, it's really tricky. It is. It's tough. It's definitely tough. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, fine. So uh, the final question then, um, you know, the, the, the biggie is is and and. Uh, what can we do? What can we do to improve the desirability of working in the sector and attract uh, more drivers? I, I think we need to publicise it a bit more. Um, as we saw with the driver shortage, it went into the, the headline news. All of a sudden, we're being recognised. But we, we need to do something, um, again, to try to bring young people into the industry. Um, as I say, it's a sector that's very difficult. I'm trying to, to tell somebody it's a great job being out 
uh, all day, all week, all night, or going out during the early hours of the morning because you want to miss traffic. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's it is a really good sector to work in. It's challenging, it's enjoyable, um, but also very rewarding. Um, how we get to that point, I'm not too sure. Whether it's more um, speaking at schools, um, whether it's advertisement stuff like that, just so people are aware how how that product got from the warehouse or even from the point of manufacture all the way to to the shelf, what what it goes through. Um, just highlighting what um, what different aspects of the the chain look like. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I um, it was really interesting actually. A couple of weeks ago, I interviewed a lady called Angelica Larsen, who's a Swedish female truck driver. She's got she's got a lot of followers on YouTube for <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, uh, and uh, it was interesting actually speaking to her because in Sweden, there's no driver shortage. Uh, there's no challenges around drivers. It, it's it's a well respected profession. It's mm-hmm. paid paid properly. And actually, she reckons it's getting to the point where the the female driving population is almost, she, she said, more than 50%. And the reason for that is that they do a really great job of promoting it as a great, great role, great job to do, um, uh, going into schools, getting people to understand what they're doing. Exactly. If you, if you go back to time, and I don't know whether they still do it at schools where you've got your uh, career progression, and so this is what you want to do. And I know in the days it was like typing a computer and you got a list of what you want to do never in my time did anybody say come into logistics be a, a, a driver but not only that it, it's good to start from the bottom work from the top yeah. i've had staff here that um started off as, as office we put them through their they didn't drive so we put them through the car license vans class two class one um and now working in the office as, as planners so it, it's it's a great industry to get into um from a driver's point of view obviously the again documented something's got to be done about the conditions um, if you go abroad, and that's why a lot of people like to do Europe, the conditions over there are 100 times better. You've got clean services, um, food is reasonable, um, everything's freshly made. You get to the UK, all of a sudden you're paying 30 quid for parking plus. Um, the showers are dirty, um, if you can find somewhere to park. The conditions over here for, for the amount of traffic that we move aren't, aren't, aren't suitable. Something needs to be done to, to improve them make the driver's life okay yes we've got high-end kit we we try to look after the best product but at least make their the life slightly easier on the road i guess that 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 will attract more people in as well absolutely i think um i I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head with the career progression because i think one of the challenges we've got as a sector is at the very very top level and i mean not necessarily like the business owners the, the the operators themselves but at the very top level, um, certainly within within government, for example, there's a lot of people who work in the, the transport and logistics policy side of things that actually don't understand the sector at all. Mm. They've kind of fallen their way in. And, and the way I see it, actually, is from a career progression point of view, like you've just said, if a young person joins a transport, a, a, a decent sized transport company that, that is willing to work hard, 100%, pretty much every transport company I know will invest in the right people yeah. to work car license van, you know, through to class one, two, or, you know, two and then one all the way up. Sorry, getting my numbers muddled up there. <laughs> um, but you sort of all, all the way up and then you've got the opportunities, you know, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people will be quite happy with that with that vehicle, that driving role. Um, people might think, oh, do you know what, actually, you know, then they can become, um, you know, if, if they don't want to travel, but they've got great driving skills they can they can work in the yard um there's fantastic opportunities where people having done the job can move into safety roles yeah. within the business 
You've got transport management, planning roles where you can deal with lots of people and then always work your way up. And do you know what? If we do that right now and attract the right people in, people might go, oh, but I don't want to just be a driver forever. Well, that's fine. Become a driver, learn the business, understand it. Go and work in logistics planning. Go and end up, you know, you you can end up progressing into our councils and work on, um, you know, working working on the roads and the routing and because you understand what we're doing. The daily challenges, that's that's a key thing. Um, Especially you look at the drivers that, that we've got that, I think by starting at the very bottom and working your way up gives you great experience. You understand the daily challenges and also they're the people nine out of 10 that will come up with that idea that, that will help. Yeah, so it's, it's all about trying to get the, the people in at, uh, I guess, slightly younger age um, yeah. and just let them know, look, it's not just about the driving aspect, it's what goes behind it. You yeah. say that the logistics planning, um, everything, health and safety, um, but yeah, even to, to storm and it's, it's, it's all it's very vital. Yeah. yeah, and it's all it's all vital. And and I think it's one of those sectors where everybody's input is valued all, all the way, you know, from the from, from the portal all, all, all the way up from, from cleaning the cleaning the floor in the workshop all it the is, way yeah. through through the business. Uh, it's vitally important. Um Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join me on the podcast. Thank you, Pete. Um really, really appreciate it. To anyone who's listening, if they're interested, yeah, find Brian. He's on he's on LinkedIn. Get in touch with Chilton if you're interested in a driving role. I know they're a fantastic business to Thank work with. Thank you very with. much. So uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank mate. you. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.